0: Hey guys, and welcome to the debut episode of Saturday Standouts. My name is Caleb Skinner. I am one of the co-hosts here for Saturday Standouts. Joining me today is my my right hand man here is Sam. Um, excuse me um, for any rain, you might hear anything. I'm down here in the panhandle of Florida um, dealing with Hurricane Sally. So for some reason, something goes out, I'm not able to, you know, make it. You see me freeze up or anything. Uh, you guys just pay attention to Sam, but uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, Sam. <laughs> Yeah, so
1: I'm Sam. I've been with Unwrap for a few months now. It's a blessing to be here, man. It's I'm thankful that we finally got this college football podcast rolling, and I'm I'm thankful that we got picked up on the live show uh, sooner than usual. Um, I can't wait to tackle the ACC today.
0: Yeah, it's extremely exciting. So, like Sam, I we both work for or contribute to the Unwrap Sports Network, a great network that's based out of LA. Here, Um, (laughs) thanks, Alex. But anyways, yeah, like I said, my name is Caleb. Uh, You can follow me at Noel on Twitter. Um, Go ahead and head over to Saturday Standouts Twitter as well, at SatStandoutsUSN, all one word. So head over there as well. Check them out. Um, Obviously, if you can't tell from behind me, I'm a huge Noel fan. So this week I am extremely excited about since we're going over our ACC predictions. Um, Do you want to go ahead and lead us off with our first team tonight, Sam? You bet. So we got Clemson. And
1: looking through Clemson's schedule, they – I think they have the potential to go 10 and0 um, my most intriguing game is against Miami um and that's going up against arguably this my tight end two in the draft Brevin Jordan uh, who's an elite 8.9 yards after catch machine um, they also have a stud quarterback and Derek King guy from uh um where was he Houston. is it Houston. Yeah. Um, and then they have arguably one of the most biggest busts in our generation that's in Tate Martel. Um, but Gregory Rosso obviously is a huge opt out. Um, but they also have Quincy Roche and I think you can expect a lot of double teams on Quincy Rochet. Um, <laughs> will do Alex. I definitely will. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait. Um, NFL drafts my thing, everyone, hopefully. Everyone knows that, um, but obviously we'll tackle more into Brevin Jordan um, when we get there, um, but Brevin Jordan, to me, um, this might be a bold prediction, but I think if he was taller, I think he would be close. I think you could have a conversation of him being tight end one in the draft, um, but no, I think I've got the versatile pat for with. but that's a conversation for another day. I have Clemson going 10-0, and 0, but my most intriguing game is Miami, and I think that has the potential to be an upset um, because of brevin jordan on that offense he's an elite playmaker he's a yards after catch machine and i mentioned gregory rosso opting out quincy Rocher is going to be the star of that defense and i think you can expect a lot of uh, a lot of double teams now that rosso's gone um but i've got clemson going 10-0 but definitely watch out for that um miami game
0: yeah um they're schedule like you're saying you were talking to me a little bit earlier we've been talking throughout the day and the beginning of this week as well um that Clemson schedule looks particularly easy like a sweep almost so I completely understand why you're going 10-0 here um but my game to watch here is later on in Clemson schedule and that's versus um Notre Dame as they head up there to South Bend um it's gonna be cold it's gonna I mean not necessarily cold cold for I mean it's early November there but I mean it's gonna be cold enough Um, for it to kind of affect these Clemson players who a lot of them come out of Florida nowadays. Um, Now that you see, you know, what Dabo Sweeney's been able to do with that program. So that's going to be a huge clash there. Um, It's going to be a night game, going to be prime time. I'm sure it'll be on um, whatever NBC, um, which is Notre Dame's network. So a lot of ratings going in there. So that's going to be a very entertaining game. You see Jarver Lawrence going into South Bend. It's going to be pretty unique. And again, this is Notre Dame's first official season um, if you unofficial official season as an ACC team um, when it comes to football that it is so gonna be very interesting to see what Notre Dame does with this um, schedule and everything when it comes to the ACC does. Um, the only other game that really scares me uh, like you were saying Sam is gonna be that Miami game uh, here in about three weeks or so so that's really gonna be like the two powerhouses from you know usually opposite sides of the conference and everything so I mean, we'll see how, how that turns out now that everybody's in the same conference. But um, is there anybody in particular for Clemson that you're looking to see, like have a nice breakout game or anything when they do have these big showdowns?
1: Yeah, and one guy to watch out for is Xavier Thomas. Um, I'm, big, I'm a big fan of some of these edge rushers coming into the draft. Um, Xavier Thomas can be a guy that does take plays off. Obviously, he's, stand, he's a guy that if you'll watch him, I believe think, I think it was the North Carolina game last year. Um, when there were plays, he took plays off, meaning he just literally stood up out of his stance and like just didn't give that bull rush effort that we needed out of him. But when he gives 110%, he's lethal. And obviously, his stats aren't going to be something that will wow you right off the bat, but I think he very well could be in for a breakout season. Um, but Xavier Thomas is definitely my guy to watch um,
0: for the Clemson Tigers. Yeah, there's so many players you could honestly pick for to you know kind of show out for here for Clemson. Mm -hmm. I mean, all eyes are obviously going to be on you know the backfield there and Trevor Lawrence and um Travis Etienne. I'm real curious of what their wide receivers are going to do. I know um Justin Ross, everything and all that happened, so we haven't seen anybody really pop out and be like, Hey, I'm the guy, so who's Trevor Lawrence gonna be able to throw to? I know they just won their first game um at Wake Forest 37 13, but in my opinion. Uh, Wake Forest is not as good as a team as they were right. before. They used to have, you know, Sage Sherratt and Jamie Newman. So this is a much lesser Wake Forest, team, in my opinion, and you only beat them by, um, I mean, 24 points is a lot of points. But at the end of the day, I-, I was expecting Clemson to kind of, you know, put up a 40, you know, get a nice little 40 burger between those two teams. But um, that didn't happen. So I don't know if we're quite looking at, um, you know the Clemson team that we're used to. Again, it is Week One in a in a time that we're we're very not used to. The players aren't used to, and um, I mean they're, they're probably playing with some guys that they're not used to playing with and getting adjusted to one another. But um, I don't know. What do you what do you think after after that first game?
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up that game with Wake Forest because I'm. I mean, you mentioned talking about Jamie Newman. We were talking about a while ago. Is yeah, he's a mobile quarterback. He wins in the run game. But if you look at his stats, like it looks like he wasn't used to his full potential in the run game. And now we were finally going to be seeing that at Georgia. His draft stock is going to take a decent plummet because of that opt-out. He's a guy that needed that year. They don't have Jamie Newman. Um, they don't have um, Trey Lance QB1. They don't have Sage Surratt. Um, to me, that game doesn't show a whole lot. Um, obviously, Amari Rogers is going to be the guy to step out, step out okay. in front um, in place of Justin Ross and Travis Etienne out there. Still, still the Travis Etienne we know.
0: Um, still the RB one for 2021. So, yep. Yeah, um, I mean, you you chose Clemson to go 10 and 0 here. I'm going to take them to go nine and one. Um, that game that I was talking about earlier, that's going to be you know the matchup of one of the biggest matchups of the season, in my opinion, Um, heading there to South Bend to play Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame just comes out with that one with them being at home. So I'm really excited to, you know, see what Clemson does throughout the season. They might get a scare. Um, Like I was saying, I don't think it's the same Clemson team that we're used to. So it's going to be very entertaining to watch. And once it comes down, hopefully they're undefeated when they, with both teams clash and they're undefeated at that point, that'll be one hell of a game I'm in.
1: Yeah, I think Notre Dame is definitely a fair, um, a fair, obviously, competition. Um, there was one name I was reading up on earlier today. Um, he's a versatile guy, versatile linebacker for Notre Dame. I don't want to butcher his name. It's like Jer- Jeremiah. It's like a three-part name. Um, it's a guy that I really want to dive deeper into. Um, he's kind of been popping out um, here and there throughout the week um, for this game specifically. And I, I agree with you there. Um, There isn't a ton of guys on their defense that obviously popped out like last year. Um, But yeah, I don't, I don't think this is potentially the same Clemson team, Um, but I still think they're a top five, the top
0: seven Clemson team. Um, But yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I agree. So this is kind of over all this Notre Dame talk is just going to lead us right into the fighting (laughs) Irish segment here. So um, we got, we got to see the fighting (laughs) Irish play a little bit here again, a game at home versus Duke. They only, won that first game by 14 points um so what has kind of you know been stuck in your mind about this Notre Dame team or, or what do you look forward to for them this upcoming season I'm looking more at their
1: defense um obviously I mean Ian Book I like him um but a lot of times he's kind of inconsistent he makes those careless mistakes when he's under deep pressure um he's a guy that you definitely need to see more I was kind of surprised that he entered the draft because um, what is he? I think he's twenty-three now. Um, yeah. But they don't have a big. But they lost two of their big-bodied guys. They lost Cole Komet and they lost Chase Claypool. So they obviously need someone to step up. But I'm looking more onto their defense and specifically that guy that I just named. I don't want to try to butcher his name again. But <laughs> um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, my eye is gonna be on him throughout the season. Um, hopefully to dive deeper into him and study him a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I'm look, I'm looking forward to watching their defense. You know, progress. And they actually just uh, recruited – I don't remember his name again. It was like <laughs> Caleb Goldie or something like that. Right. And the link was like, um, this is the guy that they need. And Notre Dame's always been a team that obviously sneaks into the top 10 all the time and nobody takes them seriously because they're not in a conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean – the defense is definitely going to be something for me to watch specifically um, as Notre Dame progresses through their season.
0: Yeah. It, that's hmm. the one thing with Notre Dame is, you know, like a couple guys here and there. I mean, I mm-hmm. feel like that's always how it is. When you think of Notre Dame, you think of. Don't Go ahead. Right. Right. You think like, first off, you think, wow, they're, they're by themselves. They're, they don't have a mm-hmm. conference. But then the second part is, is you like maybe know one, two, three guys on their team. And that's right. it. I mean, it's just like a few guys stand out and then that's it but other than that they're a very solid team so like you're saying they lost two big names Cole Komet an awesome tight end went over to the um did he go get drafted by the Bears I believe yep yep got drafted by the Bears and, and then, then uh, they, Quarra, Chase Claypool to the Steelers Chase, and Chase Claypool, and as we Quarra can see he played extremely very well Chase Claypool did this past Sunday so I mean those are huge losses and they're big bodied guys so like who is going to step up to replace those guys and who's going to be able to create weapons for Ian book. So I'm a little bit higher on Ian book than you might be. I just think he's a very solid guy. He's been there a good, t- good amount of time, everything like that. But I mean, you're at home and you just played a Duke team that in my opinion is okay, but there, they shouldn't be Notre Dame level and you only beat them by two scores at home. Again, I think the same things come into play as did with Clemson all new all of this whole scenery of college football is new for these guys so they're not going to be blown away I mean it's still a conference game so I mean it's not like Oklahoma who played I don't know who they played Missouri State this past weekend when it was on pay-per-view whatever but um it's not that It's, it's conference play so um it's a little bit tougher I understand that so I wasn't blown away by their their outing here but I expect them to kind of get in a better groove um as the season goes along so Looking at their schedule, Sam, what is the game that pops out to you? So
1: um, one of my most intriguing game, I have them winning this one, um, but I have this team solely because of one player. Um, I have them going eight and three, first of all, and I have their three losses being Clemson, North Carolina, and Florida State. And my most intriguing game is Syracuse. Um, I do think this is potential, like similar to the Duke game, similar to the reason you just mentioned. I mean, Syracuse isn't a great team. But they, they have slowly started to produce studs. And Andre Sisco is the guy that I'm talking about, a guy that's not only versatile, he has an outstanding body frame for his position. I, what did he, I think he finished with 47 tackles in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's a guy that I can really see soaring up their draft force potentially into the first round of the draft. Um, so that my most intriguing game in, in a nail-biter, but
0: I have Notre Dame still winning it, um, is against Syracuse. All right. Wow. So you're definitely not high on Notre Dame. Um, and they're coming into this season with a lot of hype. They're being projected to finish in the ACC as the number two ACC team. So that's real surprising to hear what you say. Yeah. And
1: obviously, like you, we both mentioned, they they slowly produced like s- few guys here and there. Um, but Notre Dame, obviously, like they disappoint sometimes towards the end of the season. And Ian Book, you're higher than you're higher on Ian Book than I am. Um, obviously, he he's been consistent throughout the majority of his career. Like he's had a, an impressive QB rating throughout his past four years at Notre Dame. Um, but there's just silly mistakes that I mean, careless like mistakes and deep pressure. That, to me, I just think he needs to polish up. Um, I don't see that as a major red flag, but I see this as kind of a growing opportunity for him, in, um, especially
0: for this year. Right. And how many losses did you say say you see them having again? Eight and three. Eight and three? That's not, not horrible. I mean, we still don't know what their out-of-conference game is going to be. Well, I guess we do. There's eleven here. Um, <laughs> it's eleven coverage schedule. My bad, guys. Um, I didn't pay attention to that. But yeah. Anyways, so eight and three. That's not horrible for Notre Dame. I don't believe. And you said Florida State was going to win. So hey, I'll take that. We can go there. into Notre Dame. <laughs> can you'd be happy go. about that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think I'm sitting right there around with you. Um, I have them going uh, eight and three as well. Um, I don't think they are going to win. I think their first loss is going to come when Louisville heads to town. Um, they're going to Louisville. Um, I love their head coach Scott Satterfield. So I think they're a very up and coming team. They're really going to get the job done here in the next yeah. few years. I don't know if it's going to happen this year for them, but I know here in the next two to three years they're going to be one of those teams that are going to be a danger to um, Clemson and, and the North Carolinas of the world here in the ACC. So I think that'll be their first loss, and then about three weeks later or so they play. They play Clemson. Clemson comes to Notre Dame. So. Two losses at home, that's not the greatest sign there for Notre Dame, especially in their inaugural season as an ACC team. (laughs) Um, And then to cap it all off, they also have to head to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and face one of the, you know, young gunslingers that everybody is super hyped up on in Sam Howell. So um, I think those are going to be their three losses. Um, But regardless of that, the one game that I am excited about to pay attention to is gonna be that Florida State <laughs> Notre Dame game. Just because last time Florida State went there, they got um their butts absolutely handed to them. So I want to see in a new with a new head coach, what is this Florida State team going to be able to do when they go on the road to an elite environment on the road here? So I'm really paying attention to that one. It should be it's gonna be a night game as well. So another primetime one there. So that's the game I'm really looking forward to. Sweet. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to our next team here in the ACC, and that's going to be the Miami Hurricanes. And I know Sam is really excited to talk about Miami since he's really in love with their uh, their star quarterback, so he says, and Derek King.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm in love with him, but I really like Brevin Jordan. Um, and my most intriguing game is actually – what did I put here? Uh, The player that we kind of – you talk about Sam Howell, um, North Carolina. Uh, I've got them losing – or I've got them losing four games, seven and four. Um, I've got them losing to Louisville. Um, I'll talk more about Louisville because that's my intriguing game for Florida State. Um, But I've got them losing to Louisville, Clemson, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech is led by Rayshard Ashby, a guy that's posted 100-plus tackles in two consecutive seasons – He's the only player in the ACC to have done that, I believe, in like in recent years. Oh. Um, recent years or history, um, it's an ACC record, and he's like he's a guy that has really made a name for himself. And Virgi- Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech seems to always finish in the top half of the ACC. There's times where Virginia Tech is ranked in the top ten to top twelve in the rankings throughout the college football season, and I think Virginia Tech deserves to be talked about. And I think they are an up-and-coming team. Um, I keep mentioning Louisville, um, but Louisville for Florida State. uh, But my most intriguing game for Miami is against North Carolina. Um, You have an up-and-coming quarterback, potentially the number one quarterback in the 22 draft class um, in Sam Howell. That's a guy like, that's a team that has a lot of players coming back. The name that stands out on the defensive side of the ball
0: is chess. Mm Hmm. So, yeah, uh, you liked them seven and four. You have a lot of, we got them losing to both Virginia teams. So, um, you (laughs) haven't beaten Clemson. Oh no! I
1: thought I said Clemson. Yep, Louisville, Clemson, Virginia, and Virginia Tech are my four losses.
0: Okay, okay, got you there. Got you there. Oh, I thought you meant—I thought you had said UNC is one of your losses, but I must have not been listening. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. No, I, should,
1: I should have been clear with that. I—I th- I have them beating North Carolina. Okay. But I
0: have that as my most intriguing game. Okay, I got you. Yeah, that'll be definitely a fun one to watch. Um, so I don't know if you were able to catch. I know that's the, the my, when Miami played UAB. Um. Thursday night this past week I know you know Thursday night football was just kicking off and everything like that and there's like four different sports on at the same time so uh, it was, pretty, it was three different screens going at once but um, I was able to catch a little bit of that and I know I uh, I sent out a tweet and I was like Brevin Jordan's the real deal or, or something like that and uh, I saw that you had liked it and everything because I knew you were super high on Brevin Jordan and he like he was the go-to guy I know Derek King didn't necessarily impress a whole lot of people in that game um he threw over his receivers a few times and things of that nature and it was very like weird to see because at houston he didn't necessarily do that so um he was able to use his legs a lot that's what i liked about deer king and i think that's why um bringing in rhett lashley why why manny diaz brought in rhett lashley to be the offensive coordinator those two are going to work hand in hand with hand in hand with each other <clears throat> excuse me and i think it's going to work extremely well i think Brett Lashley is going to get his guy Derek King in in space, get him on the run, get him able to, you know, get in some open space to throw the ball and not necessarily sit behind the offensive line and, you know, just sit back and be a pocket passer all day. So Miami offense, although it was a little shaky um, in that UAB game, it, it was it was very promising in my opinion, which is hard to say um, as, as a rival fan, but um, he looked good. Uh, the only thing, the only problems I saw with Derek King was, you know, his his throwing he just felt like he anytime he tried to go deep to a wide receiver or anything it was just way over their heads and not, they weren't able to catch it so something he's got to work on I'm sure he will I mean his first time his first game playing in the Miami uniform I'm sure the jitters were were there a little bit so um, real question mark there when it comes to Miami backfield is you know that wide receiver room or uh, as well as their running back room they've got a bunch of freshmen there um, I know we saw a little bit. Um, from all of them. So it, it, they looked okay. Um, not something to be super scared of, but that Miami offense is going to run under Rhett Lashley. I don't have a, a reason to believe it won't, but um, I'm like you, Sam. I don't necessarily trust Miami all that much. I feel like they're always back, um, you know, my, the, the use back as always. So um, I see them having about oh. – let me go ahead and do my math here <coughs> – Yeah, I have them at at seven and four as well. Um, So the losses I have for them are Louisville, Clemson, Virginia Tech, and North Carolina. Um, So kind of similar picks there, um, especially those first three. So I just don't trust Miami. I mean, UAB is not – they just got walloped the week before that against – or not walloped, but they barely beat like an FCS team or something crazy. And it was like, well, like, how is that going to happen? And they came out here and struck first against Miami, like Miami let them score first. So um, they lost Rosso, Um, So he's not there coming off the end. I know they have Roche still from the guy from Temple transfer. Um, but other than that, their defense didn't look all that spectacular against the UAB offense that, you know, I mean, it's UAB and you're playing in in the ACC. So mm. nothing spectacular. I think heading to Louisville is going to be a tough game for them. They're going to start season one and one. Then after that, Florida State comes to town, and you you always know how that game's going to go. It's going to be you know a dog battle all the way to the end. Usually, I mean, last year Florida State just got walloped at home, so who knows? Uh, Miami's got a pretty good fan base. I I know they love their Canes down there, so I think expect that one to be a decent game. Um, Not necessarily a blowout, not necessarily a close one, but a decent game. But they but Florida State goes in there and still loses, and then they head on the road to face Clemson. That's not an easy thing to do. So. I, I'm gonna give you an L there. And then Pitt, um, not worried about them. Their offense is very shaky. I don't trust any of their quarterback. I don't even know who their quarterback is. <laughs> um, Virginia, come back home for Virginia. They've got a pretty nice schedule set up here. I mean, it's it's home away, home away, home. Like it's very, you know, nothing really sticks sticks out to you as being like, oh dang, like Miami got the raw end of the stick here. But um heading to Blacksburg as well is a tough environment to play in on the road there. And then ending the year, um Facing Sam Howell and um, the North Carolina Tar Heels is going to be a tough test as well. So, I'm excited for for that one, um, that UNC Miami game, just because you know it's it's Derek King, you know, an established quarterback in in the national Nash- or National Football <laughs> National Football League, the NCAA. So, um, we've seen what he can do at Houston. He's put up great numbers. He's got you know records and everything. And then you've got up-and-coming guy and Sam Howe who just set the world on fire last year even though they went six and six in North Carolina so that's an intriguing matchup but the one I'm really paying attention to obviously is that Florida, Florida or that Florida State Miami game
1: yeah and they're big a lot of Florida or Miami's defense last year relied um, on their edge rushers that was a big part of their turnover chain they lost Jonathan Garvin um, who was drafted by my Green Bay Packers in the seventh round um, Gregory Rosso obviously opted out, um, so all eyes are obviously going to turn on Quincy Roche. And then Rhett Lashley, like you mentioned, a guy that came from SMU, um, produced a James Proche, who is now looking to be the uh, return man for um, the Baltimore Ravens, SMU receiver. SMU, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they were a top 10 offense last year, mm-hmm. Rhett Lashley. Yeah. And my, if he goes into Miami, a team that really knows how to utilize their tight ends, hence the reason why I'm saying, like, even you tweeted out the other day, like, Brevin Jordan is the real deal. And, like, I, I'm really excited to see what Rhett Lashley can do with this offense, and he has pieces to work with. Derek King, I'm not saying I'm high on him, but he is a promising quarterback.
0: Oh, extremely. Um, I, He's a little small statured, in my opinion, just, I mean – to be your prototypical guy, you know, whatever, but he's, he's proven he's not your prototypical guy. He's one of those, you know, um, geez, Russell Wilson. I mean, I mean, look at Kyler Murray and what he's doing right now. I mean, he's one of those guys and like for him to be able to do it in Miami is where he's really going to need to, you know, prove it a little bit because Houston obviously isn't Miami. So, I mean, him being able to come here and have a healthy long season and as long as it's very productive and you win, I mean, seven games should be enough for him to, you know, have a little bit of hype coming out um, and headed to the NFL draft. So, I mean, it's good for him. Gregory Russo is getting ready for the draft, like we're saying. Most likely going to be a top-10 draft pick just because he's a freak and quick twitch. So, um, real good Miami team. Um, I'm, I'm not necessarily super high on them or anything like that. But I'll go back to the Florida State-Miami game, um, and that's why I love to watch it. It's going to be, um, you know, these head coaches, man. This is going to be – a new head coach for Florida State, and then this is what Manny Diaz is his second year. So uh, Manny Diaz went down or went up to Tallahassee last year and absolutely whooped Florida State. So this game means a lot when it comes to keeping your job. <laughs> um, so Manny Diaz definitely needs needs to win that one. I think it's gonna be a dog fight. Um, I don't think I don't think Miami's line is what we thought it was. They didn't look they looked okay against UAB, but it's not what we thought it was with Rousseau leaving. Um, so I'm I'm really going to be looking at those trenches when it comes to that game because we all know how Florida State's offensive line has looked in the past like three years Um, very awful below 120 average in the nation each and every year so um, it kind of seems like they might have gotten it a little better this year but um, that's where it's going to be really fun to watch and then obviously you know you got your playmakers all these guys grew up against or grew up playing against each other all the way from from Pop Warner to high school playing against each other so they love playing this game they love to talk Smack to each other. And it's just an overall very exciting game to watch. And uh, it's gonna be prime time ABC baby. So hopefully I'm not sitting there watching my team, you know, get get bent over the side of the table or anything. But <laughs> um we'll see what happens there. And leading in to our next next team, obviously. <laughs> uh my Florida State Seminoles. So Sam, you wanna you wanna start us off and I'll I'll wrap her up. Sure. Um, so I mentioned earlier,
1: um, my most intriguing game is going to be Louisville. Um, I think this is going to be an offensive battle. Um, like you mentioned, I, I fully agree with you. I love Michael Cunningham um, in Louisville. Um, I think they're building really something special up there. Um, I think that's I think that's a team in the ACC that's going to be talked about in the next three, four years or so, hopefully sooner. Um, a guy they're gonna rely on Des Fitzpatrick, who obviously, his stats aren't going to show out at you, um, but I think he could really make a name for himself this season. Um, and you go over to Florida State. I have them going six and five. I have them losing. Obviously, they lost to Georgia Tech. I've got the losing to Miami, Louisville, and as well as North Carolina and Clemson. And Louisville had. I mean. What did I put? Des, Fitzpat- Des Fitzpatrick won. His stats don't jump out at you. He's going to be a guy that could potentially break out for that Louisville offense. Louisville had the fourth best offense in the ACC last year. They averaged 447 yards per game. Florida State was
0: a little below it. I would say they're at average. They just over 400 a game. And You don't have to take it easy on me, Sam. You can give me, <laughs> give me all the, the raw stats. I'm, I can take it. <laughs> And then you look at, I mean, the fact that Florida
1: state got both hamster and and Marvin Wilson, like not opting out. I think that's huge. And obviously if players opt out, like that's rightfully so, I mean, that's respect. Obviously Marvin Wilson very well could be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. He's arguably the best defensive tackle in the, in the draft. Hamster and we've seen him mocked in the first round and, with those two guys, they still had—I'm pretty sure they still had like a well below average defense. But the fact that one you're in conference, I think that could potentially help them a lot because Florida State has had some non-conference games throughout the past few years um, that have come that have come down nail biters. So I think me—I think six and five is a fair record. Um, but yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, I, it, it's very fair because I am probably going to go on the opposite side of the spectrum. I'm going to go five and six. Uh, I'm going to be the pessimist of my own team. Imagine that. <laughs> um, just I obviously wouldn't have gone that direction um, if we had won the Georgia Tech game as the opener. Um, the real sad part about that is that we let Georgia Tech have our quarterback. We, <laughs> we let Jeff Sims um go off of our recruiting trail as soon as we got a new head coach. So um and then he went to Georgia Tech and then he comes into Doe Campbell Stadium and you know beats us. So I mean that's just how it works, I guess. A new head coach, new first year um new things, still trying to get the buy-in from the team and everything like that. So um obviously Georgia Tech being a loss, I think Miami's gonna be a loss. I think <clears throat> Notre Dame's gonna be a loss. I think UNC is going to be a loss. I think Louisville is going to be a loss and I think Clemson's gonna be a loss. So That's that is going to be real rough um, for me to watch throughout the season. Hopefully I'm going to be pleasantly surprised in some of these games, Um, but I just don't know a new head coach. um, I don't know if all these guys are bought in a real big thing that I have noticed is like for all these teams is these guys need reps. Like they have, it's very noticeable that these guys are not getting the reps that they, they truthfully need to be able to play at a high level of college football. In my opinion, I mean, just guys just look slow. They don't look like they're in the right places, especially young guys. And then the, the older players, you know, the upperclassmen aren't doing the reps the right way. So when the reps aren't being shown the proper way, then the young guys are learning, you know, not the proper way to do it. So that's something I've really noticed. Um, I know um, we've talked very highly on some of these guys who stayed for Florida State, the Tamori Ontaries, the Marvin Wilsons, the Hampson Nashville of those sorts. So these are going to be the guys who not only need to step up on the field and show them the right way to do things, but be a leader in that locker room. Hey, this isn't how Florida State plays. And the whole thing with Florida State is their problem right now is not <clears throat> only that is their de- their defense isn't – it's been it's better than it has been. Uh, don't get me wrong there. I mean – when you get new coaching and somebody who understands the scheme and knows how to put these guys in a better sch- schematic um, you know, position to win and succeed on the defensive side of the ball, then that's gonna you're obviously gonna see improvement. Is it the best that it should be? Are guys in necessarily the perfect position for them? No. So the real problem when it comes down to Florida State is their quarterback play.
1: Yeah, and we've we've had multiple conversations about their quarterback situation. Um, Alex Hornibrook getting thrown in and throwing four touchdowns. I don't believe I don't remember the team they were playing, Um, but yeah, I know you're a guy that's really high on Tamarion Terry. And I mean, like even putting like the bias away, like I think that's completely fair. I think Tamarion Terry is. I mean, I know mock drafts don't matter, but I always like looking at mock drafts to get to know players. Samori Terry has been mocked in first round drafts, like late in the first round. And like from the tape he has, like the previous, like from the tape he has now, um, I guess if you disregard the first game, um, he is an early round prospect. I see him right now, a second round prospect, a second early, mid second round. I think he could work his way up to potentially the late first round we are going to see a number of wide receivers go down in the first round and there might be a surprising, there might be some surprising names in that first round. And I think
0: tomorrow Terry has a really, really good shot of showing everyone that. Yeah. Like Perry's saying, um, I think tomorrow Terry is an absolute beast as well. Um, one thing that the knock has always been that Sam and I have talked to or have talked about in the past is, um, not necessarily, I mean, some of his route running, but not solely, but it's it's the lack of, you know, focusing in when you need to catch the ball. Sometimes it's right there. You have it wide open. We saw it this past Saturday. You had the ball, and it just gets dropped. So that's the real big knock when it comes to tomorrow. fans with him as well, and I'm always going to keep coming back to this because it's happened over and over again and just keep getting, you know, it just keeps coming up, and that's the quarterback play. I just don't understand how James Blackman keeps getting named the starter of of this offense, no matter who's the head coach or no matter who's the offensive quarter. I mean, offensive coordinator, excuse me. So when Willie Taggart first took over, we had the guy with who's the head coach up at UMass right now. Uh, I forget Chris. his name. No, Paul no, um, no. Oh, UMass, um, um, UMass, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I don't, I don't I know. know. Dude with the slick hair uses, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuff is. Um, him and he hasn't won a game there, so whatever. So even when he was there, Blackman was a quarterback. Okay, he's gone next year. Kendall Bryles comes <clears throat> in. Guess who's the quarterback? James Blackman. Okay, we're running two different offenses here, even though it's supposed to be lethal simplicity and you know RPO stuff, whatever. Cool. It's still totally two different, you know, mixtures and types of how you're gonna run things, different terminology, all that. Still can't figure it out. Okay, so now we come full circle here to your senior year. Not to mention you you took over your freshman year after DeAndre Francois got hurt in the Alabama game. So like you've had that whole year to deal with anyway. So you had Jimbo Fisher then, who is more you know pro um, style type offense. So you were under center then a little bit sometimes back in shotgun. All right, so understandable. You can work with multiple offenses here. Now, Mike Norvell takes over, and you go, like, 20 of 43 with two fumbles and a pick and one touchdown. Your QBR is a 21. Like, you're not doing – you might show flashes. You might be making the right reads, but you're not successfully putting your team or your teammates in a position to be able to make those plays. You might be hitting them right? But are you getting it to, to them soon enough? Are you getting them to, to the right one? Like it could be your first read. And he just seems to be making decisions way before he even goes through any of those reads. And that's what's starting to aggravate me is that your team will only go as far as your quarterback takes you. That's the thing too, is it doesn't help at all
1: when they're going in close to week one, not even knowing who their starter is and you sit there and like all the reasons you just mentioned james blackman and this is an honest question because from what you're saying you don't seem too high on james blackman and me personally i've watched alex hornybrook play i have never been a fan of him i think people thought he was better than he actually was
0: what are your honest thoughts on alex hornybrook um so he's gone now and everything so i mean he, he is what he is but when he took over last year when he came in for mm-hmm. james and it, it was the fan base was very you know excited to see him because mm-hmm. i mean it was a different different face than james blackman that we're used to seeing and i think it was the willyville game he threw like you were saying for four touchdowns and everybody was super high on him so i understand the aspect of wanting somebody different but we don't want to force it and i think that's kind of where we're stuck right now and i think that's what we did last year with alex Hornibrook, is we were like okay like James Blackman obviously can't get the job done so here you try and then like the next game uh yeah this isn't working out so we're just gonna play them both all game long and like that didn't work so um it's it's I think that's kind of where we're at right now we just gotta you know kind of push through this season I guess I mean obviously we got Chubba Purdy um Brock Purdy's little brother who came in as freshman but he's had he broke his collarbone early in early in practice and he was been out for six weeks. He had a small infection as well. So, I mean, you can't expect him to come in immediately and, and, you know, take over for as a true freshman on, on a team that's very, you know, fragile. I mean, they don't trust any, any, not only the coaching staff, but each other, in my opinion. So um, it's just a real questionable football team when it comes to this Florida state team. And that's kind of why I've got them going below 500 for the second time in three years.
1: Yeah, and I think that's fair, I think. I out of all five of these teams, we've kind of had very similar rec- records for very a lot of very similar games and similar reasons. And I mean, you know Florida State better than I do as they need that reliable, reliable quarterback. James Blackman is good. We've seen sparks, flashes of him, but he's he's inconsistent. And they 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 can't rely on a two quarterback scheme like you mentioned they rushed it seemed like they rushed some of those guys in. I mean, Hornibrook went in, and and his only game that everyone, only game that I know personally, maybe you know more, is when he came in and threw those four touchdowns.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: they, they need that reliable quarterback that they can help that offense and make Tamarian Terry um, and other lethal
0: weapons produce. I mean, James could definitely be that guy, but he's got to get it right. I mean, that's on him. I mean, as a quarterback, you got to accept responsibility for not getting a job done. I mean, you can – drops, obviously, drops can be blamed on a wide receiver. But other than that, not much unless he doesn't run the right route. I mean, there's two things that a wide receiver can do wrong, and that's those two things. So at the end of the day, James has got to get it right up here with himself first off. Like, hey, I might not be able to make every single throw, and I don't have to be perfect but I need to be manageable to where I can put my team in a position to succeed in win games. And he hasn't been able to do that. I mean, we saw him melt down in, against Arizona state in the bowl game last year. So um, just something that that's, yeah, is really plaguing this Florida state team. And speaking of ex Florida state quarterbacks or quarterback commits, we will head over to North Carolina and talk about our boy, Sam Howell. <laughs>
1: You gave me the pleasure of starting off with these teams. I will let you uh, start off with North North
0: Carolina for this one. All right. Uh, first off, I want to say I love what Mac Brown is doing over in Chapel Hill, dude. I love it, and I love their uniforms. I love their colors. I love the whole culture and everything that he's got going on, dude. Mac Brown is back, and if you disagreed, and that's on you, uh, he's got a stud quarterback like you're saying, Sam Howell. He, I mean, you don't know anybody else besides him, but, like, <laughs> the team is good. I mean, they just walloped Syracuse at home 31-6. to I mean, your defense is obviously good if you only allow – I don't even know if they let them score and they missed an extra point or if there's was just two field goals. But, I mean, either way, that's a pretty stout defense. Um, I'm sure Sammy Boy put up good numbers. So, real, you know, you know underdog here, in my opinion, for the Heisman. I – not sure. I got to take a little bit closer look at their schedule um, before I decide on, you know, what their record's going to be. But um, the real big game that's going to stand out to me is going to be, I think it's going to be either that Florida state game where they head to Florida state or where they head to Miami at the end of the season. Um, Either one of those, the intrigue, obviously with the Florida state game being that Sam Howe used to be a Florida state commit, when uh, Walt, there it is, Walt Bell was the offensive coordinator under Willie Taggart. Um, so there's the guy over at UMass for anybody who's wondering. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Sam Howell used to be a quarterback um, commit under Willie Taggart's regiment oh. in his first year. And then once Walt Bell dipped for UMass, uh, he flipped over to Mac Brown because that was his only relationship. So that'll be a cool little intrigue there with Sam Howell coming to Doe Campbell there in Tallahassee. And then obviously, like you were talking about before, the Miami UNC matchup is going to be very intriguing. I think I expect it to be like a real, you know, barn burner down there in, in Coral Gables.
1: Yeah, and I didn't want to give Miami as my intriguing game. Um, I mentioned this team before. Um, my intriguing game is Virginia Tech. Um, he threw for just under 350 yards and five touchdowns last year. Um, completed 53% of his passes. And they went to overtime and they lost by two, 43-41. Um, and I also mentioned Rayshard Ashby, the guy that's gone two consecutive 100-plus tackle seasons, um, breaking records in the ACC. Um, but I think Howell's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder. Um, but, I again, I think it's going to be a nail-biter. And I think Virginia Tech is a team that um, is always sneaky good in the ACC. And I think people should watch out for them, um, mm-hmm. and being those potential upset teams. Um, my record – I don't think North Carolina has that tough of a schedule. Um, right. I mentioned Syracuse. Sarah, they just beat him 31 to six. Um, then they go and play Charlotte. Boston college really isn't that good. Boston college has like one or two good players. I, well, I they have a new this. head
0: coach too. So
1: Right. And I mentioned this too is like AJ Dillon led 2019, led the nation in rushing in 2019, but he went, he went to Boston college. And to me, like, I think if he went to a better school, I think people would talk about him more. And that not just that, I think he was also overshadowed by the other talented running backs in that class, like J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, but then you go later on in their schedule, their last two games, Notre Dame and Miami, um, are probably the toughest one. I have them going. This might be a far-fetch. Um, I love what North – obviously, yeah, you're high on Mac Brown. North Carolina has a ton of guys returning. I have them going nine and two, and this might be a far stretch, um, but I have their two losses being Miami and one of them being Virginia Tech.
0: Oh, going to I was like, how dare you, you pick the same two losses as I do? But <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got UNC going nine and two as well, and um, their two losses are going to be they're going to start off nine and zero. Oh. They're going to start off real looking, real pretty, and they're going to be you know. And that conversation, everybody, the whole nation's gonna be talking about. Oh, Mac Brown is doing this. Uh, Sam Howell is Heisman. Blah blah blah. blah. And then they're gonna run into a good Notre Dame team, and it's gonna Mm -hmm. be. I think this is where they're gonna be caught on their high horse because they're gonna be like, Oh man, if we beat Notre Dame, we're for sure gonna beat Miami. And then it's just gonna be like, Oh.
1: overconfident yep
0: yeah yeah and it's not going to be that way and notre dame is going to be especially if notre dame loses before then they're going to be like you know what this could be our game of the year i mean it's so late in that. it's late in that season i mean you see teams do that year in year out like hey we don't have much to play for right now so uh this is going to be our Super Bowl for the season. <laughs> you either won it or not. <laughs> so, I mean, that's one of those games that I'm paying attention to. And then, um, obviously, to end the year, and Coral Gables is tough as well. So, as long as Derrick King's healthy by that point, I think Miami takes care of UNC. But like you were saying before, they are an extremely deep team. They have a lot of guys coming back um, for the Tar Heels, and and I, I love, I absolutely love what Mac Brown's doing. They're like one of these, like the Louisville team I was talking about. There is just they're coming up. The ACC is going to have in about two or three years, like they were, when was it like 2014 or 2015 when the ACC was one of the top conferences. I think they're going to have another run like that here very shortly and I'm, I'm excited for it and very much looking forward to it. But um, yeah, that UNC Florida state game is really what I'm excited for. So I know I'm a Homer made two Homer picks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hate me all you guys want. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you there. Like, yeah, the ACC is the third best conference in college football, but we've we've mentioned these teams, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Miami, Louisville. They're building these programs, like, really well for, like, years to come. And, like, two, three years from now, there could be another team that we talk about that's not – that – other than Clemson.
0: Yeah, I mean, it could be anybody. I mean, who knows, like – Mike Norvell figures it out at Florida State. He gets his guys in there, and they start winning eight games a year. Virginia Tech, like you are talking about, dude. Virginia Tech, always a very solid team. Like, I wouldn't pass, get it past them to upset anybody this season. They're, I mean, they won't have Caleb Farley, but, I mean, that doesn't matter to me. Virginia Tech is a very solid team. We might not know a whole lot of their players or anything, but Virginia Tech is always a solid ACC team. They're always either going to win that Coastal or, or they're – Like right around the top, so I mean, there's so many teams that could come out of the ACC. It just the whole thing right now is you trying to catch Clemson, and that's where all these ACC teams are trying to do. They're trying to combat Clemson, and I mean, it's kind of not to compare it to the NBA, but it's kind of like what the teams do to you know combat LeBron James. Like they design teams around you know LeBron James's teams because that's who you have to go through. So I mean, that's ultimately what a lot of these teams are trying (coughs) to do right now trying to attack Clemson's weaknesses and try to get there. I mean, I'm not saying that's solely what they're doing, but obviously in these head coaches, in the back of these head coaches' minds, they're thinking, hey, like Dabo's got this thing running over here. And I mean, he's got Ve- Venables as his defensive coordinator who obviously won't leave for any head coaching job ever. So he's just going to continue to make bank as a defensive coordinator. So, I mean, they've got us all set up and it's, and it's hard to catch.
1: Yeah. And... You mentioned LeBron James, like that situation and recruiting guys and to, you know, beat Clemson's weaknesses. One example I want to bring up is, I mean, this is going into the NFL, but one of the big reasons I was reading why Seattle went out and signed Jamal Adams is to stop George Kittle, to stop the best tight end in the NFL. And the, the, the top weapon on their offense, and like this is obviously a conversation we could have another time because I don't think Seattle was in a position to trade for um, for Jamal Adams, and they traded for Jaden Clowney um, a few years ago, or last year, I'm sorry, um, and they didn't lock him down, and if they don't do that with Jamal Adams, especially like it's not like Bradley McDougall was a bad safety. At all. Right. He wasn't. And like, yeah, he wasn't great. He's no Jamal Adams, but he still produced. <laughs> but this is another conversation Um back to the ACC. But yeah, obviously the ACC's Clemson is to lose for um, quite some time now. But I'm really excited to see all these teams that we've kind of talked about
0: um, really come up in the next few years. Yeah. And before we kind of start to wind it down and everything, Sam, I, I know you're you're our dynasty guru. You're our, our, you know, our, our draft expert and everything over with the unwrapped sports network. And I'm so proud that you are, because I mean, you've taught me so much and you've got me to look at, you know, guys differently. And it doesn't, I'm not necessarily just, you know, thinking one thing when I'm looking at him instead, I'm thinking like, Oh, what are these intangibles? Like, what is he doing when it comes to like something so small? So I just want to know, I mean, I know we've mentioned tons of players as we've gone through this tonight, but are there any guys outside of those or anybody else you want to, you want to say again or mention again um, that you're really looking forward to when it comes to ACC football?
1: Uh, There's one name and I, I tell, I told you about this guy the other day. Um, But I mean, rightfully so. He plays for Virginia. Um, that's Charles Snowden. Um, a lot. I love Charles Snowden. Um, a big thing with him is he has an elite body frame. Like he is unbelievable. And like, don't even like watch his highlight reel. If you watch him in games, I don't even know what game that I can think of that stands out. Maybe North Carolina um, or Duke. Um, he's a machine. And obviously, there's one knock that everyone gives on him that. Um, He is a little bit on the leaner side. Um, So he will need to put on some of that weight and he definitely has time. And there's another guy on Duke uh, by the name of Chris Rumpf. Um, Another guy, like very similar situation to Charles Snowden. Um, He had like, he's has those weight issues got to put on. Um, Like if you, if you watch him play, you'll know what I mean. Like he's a an edge rusher, a little bit lean, Um, but I cannot wait to talk NFL draft when we get there. Um, But, yeah, my two guys to watch are Charles Snowden from Virginia and Chris Rumpf, uh, more specifically, um, out of Duke.
0: Yeah, you were talking to me the other day, and I'm like, I don't even know. I just just had to go look him up. But, yeah, um, somebody that I'm extremely looking forward to playing this year um, is a wide receiver over there in Louisville. And that's Tutu Atwell. So um, I just think he's going to be a freak of nature. He's going to be like one of those, one of those, you know, Judys or or Lambs or you know, one of those type of wide receivers that are just going to be special. I mean, we haven't necessarily seen a lot of special out of them. It's been one game um, in the NFL for those two, but uh, you can just see it. It's going to blossom, and I think Tutu Atwell is one of those guys. Again, like all these guys, they're just very. He's, he's smaller, you know not necessarily super big but i mean he does the things that you need him to do and he's a burner dude he will get past you he he has great footwork he has hands and he's going to make a lot of these acc teams um look kind of foolish in, in my opinion he's going to make a lot of these dv's look like they shouldn't even be playing the game because that's how good Tutu Awell is um i think he might be I'm trying to think of other wide receivers because I know there's other wide receivers out there that are really good, but I like Tutu Atwell and I think he might be, you know, one of the, I will say on here that I think he'll be the number one wide receiver think taken, but I'm going to have to go back at some point and look and be like, oh, no, miss somebody. But uh, I like Tutu Atwell very much and I think he's going to be um, a hell of a wide receiver when he makes it to the NFL.
1: Yeah, Louisville's a team that I, I mean, nobody's really talked about them since they've had like talked about them a lot since they've had Lamar probably and Louisville is definitely a team
0: I wouldn't mind seeing good again yeah definitely man um I want to thank you Sam this is going to go ahead and wind it up for us so sure. I want to thank Sam for being my co-host and being an awesome co-host as always um I want to thank the Unwrapped Sports Network for bringing us two together and allowing us to have this podcast and now a live show as well here on Wednesday nights we'll be with you guys Live every single Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and that's 7 p.m. Central Time for you, Sam. So, um, and then for anybody out there on the West Coast, that'll be about five o'clock. So, right when you're getting off work. Um, so, um, something else I want to plug in here, real quick, guys, is going to be a couple of our sponsorships that we got going on. And you can see it down there at the bottom of the ticker. We have um, RX Hemp, which is a all natural CBD cream that is used for pain and pain and joint pain um joint pain as well so um i run every day i actually am on my feet every day at work so i use it constantly on my back it's just a nice little heating cooling um pain relief that works extremely well and it goes away um one other thing if you're a gambling gambling man like myself i don't know if sam likes to dabble in any no i'm, <laughs> like that. I'm afraid to lose <laughs> money man <laughs> um, yeah you gotta gotta stuff those pockets while you're while you're ahead Um, but if you get (laughs) but if you guys head over to mybookie.ag it's a little account we got set up with them little sponsorship and partnership we got with them going on if you sign up (laughs) under code usn100 use that promo code your first deposit they will match it 100 so um i think it's got to be a minimal deposit of 50 dollars. so if you deposit 50 dollars they're going to give you $50 in free play. So I think it's up to a $1,000 you can do. So if you got a $1,000 to throw around, throw a $1,000 in your deposit box, put it in there. You'll have $2,000 waiting on you as you keep spending. So awesome stuff we got going. I think we're bringing on some more partnerships as well. Excited to tell you guys about that. Um, But again, guys, looking forward to next week, which we will be doing the Big 12. Big 12, right? There. Big 12, yep. Right. So I know uh, we got a little high-powered offenses out there, but is that? I don't know if that's what we'll be talking about.
1: We'll see. We'll see. We don't want to give any spoilers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely. Thank you again, Sam, for coming on, and this has been another episode of Saturday Standouts.